Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. I'm Ian Cheeseman. Thanks very much for your company tonight. And if you've been watching City against Chelsea and you're skipping and it's given you a, a huge lift, and if you're a City fan, why wouldn't it? Uh, then I'm dead pleased for you. And at the rest of uh, the risk of sounding patronising or repeating myself, um, last week we, we talked about whether football should continue during the COVID pandemic. And here in the UK, where we of course are recording this podcast, the numbers are rising very rapidly. And, uh, and it's very, very worrying from a health perspective. So my view hasn't changed. Uh, my view is that football shouldn't be happening at the moment. Um, obviously, City have been badly affected by COVID, um, but they've uh, ridden, risen across that and, and won today. That is the day that we're recording it when they've beaten Chelsea very comfortably. And I know there are an awful lot of people out there listening to this podcast, particularly if you're overseas, um, because I get the feeling that if you consume football generally on TV, uh, you're probably less personally affected um, by, by not going to the game. So that might not matter as much to you. Um, but whatever the reason is, if it's giving your mental health a boost to watch football and to watch our team, City, win a game, then that is a good thing and I'm pleased for it. Still my opinion that City and football shouldn't be happening, but anyway, that's irrelevant on a day like this. Uh, we're going to talk about the City victory at Chelsea, the upcoming Manchester derby. And I want to say a big thank you to Charles Louis Group, who are an advisory business advising on development finance, mortgage advice, estate agency. Uh, they started out, I'm sure you know this already, uh, as a simple mortgage company offering buy-to-let, first-time buying and moving house mortgages. But they now provide support for the whole property transaction process, including an independent estate agent and an expert commercial financial team and a renowned mortgage team. And they've been supporting the, the podcast throughout the season, for which I'm very appreciative. Um, so, uh, without further ado, let me introduce the, the cast tonight, starting, uh, in, of course, uh, as we would do uh, with the ladies first. We've got Louisa um, in front of her bookcase, trying to make herself look intelligent for anybody who can see the recording. Uh, we've got Harlan, who uh, always has a very upbeat personal view of uh, every City Matters, and the man who's often behind the scenes, um, uh, absolute um, gem as far as I'm concerned, helping to put the podcast and some of the videos together, is uh, a man you don't always hear or see on the podcast, but delighted to have him uh, up front and in front of the screen tonight, and that is Will. So you, all three of you are very, very welcome. Um, so as I say, um, I, I, I'm... I'm a strange place at the moment with everything that's going on. So I'm going to take a little bit of a, of a back seat tonight. Um, and obviously, from a, a football point of view, that was a City performance that was as, as good as you're going to see probably all season. I've heard some people straight after the game wondering how much of that was down to Chelsea not being good, how much down to City being good. And that might be something that you want to debate. Uh, I'll kick it off by just saying this one thing, which is... Um, that Ilkay Gundogan, who is a player that sometimes has been uh, criticised by certain sections of the City fandom in the past, is an absolute hero as far as I'm concerned. He's a superb player. Uh, I've said it consistently. I thought today against Chelsea, he was head and shoulders, man of the, my man of the match anyway, for what it matters. Um, not just because he scored a goal, but I, just in, in, in every aspect of what he does. And I did see him a, a quote from him on the City website, on the City Twitter feed, uh, about him saying that basically a football team is made up of 
different types of players. And sometimes we pick out the ones who score the goals or make the last-ditch tackles or make the saves and ignore the players who thread it all together. And I think Ilkay is spot on with that. And I think Ilkay Gundogan not only has been the player of the day today, uh, but I think he's actually been the player of the season. Now, you won't necessarily agree with that, but that's my opinion for what it's worth. So, go on, Harlan. Um, I, I sometimes leave you to last, especially if City haven't done so well. So, I'm going to let, let you kick off today and tell me how good that performance against Chelsea was. Well, I thought that Julius Pringles, as I call him, is absolutely phenomenal as well. He's, he reminds me of the Pringles money, and once he pops, he just can't stop. And um, he, he's just phenomenal, isn't he? He just... I said it, I feel like, you know, when you asked me the same question on, on the last pod, you know, what, what do you think of Ilkay Gundogan? I think everything I said today rang true. And I'm not trying to say, oh, I said it and therefore it came true. I just mean I said it because it's obviously been happening and it's continued to happen again today. He He's like a metronome in the, in, in the midfield. He, he just gets everything going. He gets everything ticking. He, I think in commentary, he knits things together. He, he knits things together and having him in there is just, for me, we're better with him in the midfield than we are without him because he just, he just, he holds the ball well. He knows when to play the right pass. And one of the things that, you know, you're taught as a child and, and, and some, some players don't make it, some do. And the reasons why players make it through academies, you know, most of the time is because they, they finally get used to when to play a pass, when not to play a pass when to dribble, when not to dribble, when to do the right thing and when not to do certain things. And Gundogan obviously learned that at a very early age and he's continued to, to allow it to manifest itself and he shows it on a weekly basis. He's always one pass ahead. He always knows when to play the ball and, and, and when, you know, where to play it and where, where the ball should end up. And I just think that overall his, his, his mind, his intelligence and everything that he brings to the, to, to the team, we're a much better team for it. I knew it back in, in 2011, 2012, when I watched him at Dortmund. I knew it when we signed him and I knew what we were signing. And I, I just hoped that what he would bring to the table would be what I'd seen him bring at Dortmund. And he's got a lot of stick over the years because, like you say, he's maybe not the Kevin De Bruyne or he's not the, the focal point in the team. But he is the player that does things behind the scenes that aren't always appreciate, sorry, appreciated by the everyday fan. And that's no offence to the everyday fan. If you're not an analytical football fan and you just like watching goals and you like watching assists and that's up your street, then, then that's, that, that, that's what you like and that's what you like. But I watch football quite in depth. And by doing that, I allow myself to see players like Gundogan for what they actually are. And I, and I, am, I'm, I am so happy and proud to be able to watch him do what he does for our club every week. Yes, some days he has, he has a poor game and he gives the ball away. And footballers do that. You know, they paid a lot of money, but they're human beings and they give the ball away and they paid to do a very, 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 um, you know, um, important job to us because we love watching them do it at, at the top level. But they're going to have off days. But I think he has more on days than he does off. And, and I'm just so proud to watch him week in, week out. In. Will, what are you going to say to all that? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, anyone who's listened to the pod will know Harlan has been um, Gundogan's biggest backer. Um, I've always liked him. I've always liked him personally. He seems like a genuine guy. Like Harlan said, sometimes he's had his off games. Off games. Um, but he said it himself, you know what I mean? He, he's somebody who, who allows other people to shine. And it was just lucky today that he shone himself, really. Um, 
I don't say lucky. He's got that class. He knows how to do it. I just think um, two years ago, there was a point when we had our strongest 11 and the midfield undoubtedly was uh, Fernandinho, De Bruyne and Silva. And I always used to say, Gundogan is one of the best players in the Premier League who isn't guaranteed a starting, a starting spot in any team. Um, so it is nice that he's coming through now and he's, he's, he's almost one of the first names on the team sheet, I'd say. Well, Louisa, what would you make? I mean, obviously, I picked him out as man of the match and player of the year so far for me. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I'm not sure about player of the year. I'm going to reserve that one for now. Um, but definitely man of the match today. And, um, you know, Harlan and I have, I don't know if you remember, probably maybe 12 months ago, we called him Future Boy. And we had a bit of a laugh over it, uh, knowing how forward thinking he was. And not just sort of ahead of the particular game he was in, uh, kind of ahead of the team um, on some occasions. So it kind of looked sometimes like he was being a bit odd or playing by himself on the pitch. Um, and I think it's taken quite a while for the rest of the team to catch up with him and to catch up with his intelligence and his foresight on the pitch. Um, I've always liked him since the beginning. Um, I, there's never been one match where I've kind of thought, oh, you know, you need replacing today. Um, because as lots of players uh, say, and um, even Frank Lampard after the match about his own team, you know, you can't always win every match anyway. Uh, you know, sometimes you're going to have an off game as a player and as a team. Team. So that's fair enough. Um, he gets a free pass with me, to be honest. And um, I think he's, I've, I've often gone on about the physical strength of our team and that's what we need. You know, we, for, for a good few years, we had our fancy, schmancy, European style of playing, which was flummoxing everybody else. No problem. We won a few leagues under that. Um, but everyone started to get to know our play and we needed to change it up. And we need physical strength, you know, and Gundogan to me, if you if you put him and Mares next to each other, despite the fact we look quite similar as well, but um, you know I'd take Gundogan any day because he's got absolute physical strength. He has got no qualms about in, put, putting his legs in, his feet in, his body in, um, and and to me that's an outright player. We still need the flair players. I agree with his quote um, of um, you know you can't just build a team of eleven players playing the same type of football and the same type of characters. One hundred percent, we all know that. You can't have a bunch of De Bronyers, uh, 11 De Bronyers on the pitch because then you still wouldn't win a game. Um, so if it, I sometimes think he's a bit restricted. I sometimes think he's perhaps sort of put in a, this is your area and you stick to it and then pass the ball when you get to that point. Um, and I think today he actually flowed and he took a lot more control of, of the pit. He was all over the place and he was feeding. And um, I did write down that um, today, sort of the line of fire for me was Zinchenko, who I'm a massive fan of, Gundogan, De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva, um, I kind of felt that they were the ones that were actually pushing and forcing that game and pushing, you know, Chelsea back or pushing the ball forward just to hook up very nicely with Sterling in a position that I really like him in on the right and Foden on the left. And he did really well today on the left. Well, obviously, he, he has been a player that a lot of City fans have been desperate to see in the side. And when I saw the team announced a COVID-affected team, um, I looked at the reaction from City fans to the official City tweet. Um, and I would say probably 50% at least of the reactions were, Foden, Foden, he's starting, great, Foden. Um, do, do you feel 
uh, first of all, that he justified his position in the starting lineup today. Should he be a regular starter when everybody's fit, as everybody's saying? You know, um, how, how would you? I mean, another thing that I've noticed a lot of people were partnering Bernardo and Foden and saying that the two of them uh, being in the team together gave the whole side a lift. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, with Foden, um, I, I'm a, I'm still sort of a, a bit split with it because sometimes he does have a bit of a quiet game and he doesn't re- doesn't seem to sort of influence it that much. But then like today, but he's not always in the position he was played in today. So today he was given all that front, all the front of the pitch with Sterling on the other side and to be fed those balls, which to me is still a bit of a traditional England player, an English player um, that that's as long as he's available, makes himself available, he'll score the goals. And that's exactly what he did today. He was in the right place at the right time for most of that match. Some of the matches is amazing at feeding the ball through and is a bit further back. But today he was further forward, ready for the balls coming through, intelligent thinking, intelligent play, him and De Bronya together anyway, the hook up, the second, that his goal, the little nutmeg, and just that little side, you know, the he, his awareness at that moment, uh, he didn't even look at the goal. He, he didn't even look at the net. He just he just knew where it was coming from. He knew what De Bruyne was going to do and he knew where to put it. Perfect. Absolutely. I can start on uh, against United for me. I think he should do anyway because he always rises to the occasion, obviously being a derby. But yeah, definitely on the pitch for me at the minute. Um, you know, shame about the COVID, but and you might you might question us about this after. But I mean, what a bench have we got anyway? You know, what a bench. <laughs> you know, COVID affects your players. How many are we looking at? Six, is it? Five, five, and some back backroom staff. I mean, yeah, it matters kind of, but does it matter? Look at the bench. <laughs> I think. Well, I think. Sorry, sorry. Will were you going to say something, mate? Yeah. I, I think. I think on Phil Phil Folden. I think that, that there's been a lot of fans that have criticised fans that have not necessarily been backing him for a starting eleven spot in in games that others have maybe said that he's ready to start in. Um, I think that one thing I will say is that I, I've been one of the people that have always said that Pep isn't immune to criticism when we've played poorly or when he's been reluctant to make changes or substitutions or or make decisions in games or started players that maybe shouldn't have started, i.e. Uh, a double pivot of Rodri and Gundogan in a game that maybe it wouldn't have worked in. However, I'll also defend Pep on the flip side um, with regards to the fact that he's not started Foden in games, maybe because he's not believed that Foden is the right man for the job and maybe because of something that I heard Lee Dixon say, and I've heard him say it a few times now, and that is that he sometimes maybe believes that Foden is a bit too quick for his own for his own feet, um, and that his brain is that quick sometimes that it's arguable that because he's still young and very very energetic, that even in the Premier League, Phil Foden's too quick for it. So it's one of them where maybe it's it's one of them where he's still got to develop that kind of, um, you know, that kind of that that tempo in his own in his own playing and kind of slow things down a tiny bit so he can play the right passes at the right time. He's capable of playing them passes. He just maybe is is receiving the ball and playing street football in a match where he should slow it down and play that more slow-tempoed... Uh, and I'm not, vind- I'm not vindicating slow-tempoed football because we are a, a quick-tempoed side. 
but maybe let the street out of the player in specific games and play more for the team than than as an individual. And I think that Pep's highlighted that in certain games and thought maybe Phil's ability um, and quality, as good as it is, wouldn't benefit us in this game. And you're probably going to say, how can his quality and ability not benefit us? Well, in certain games, maybe it wouldn't because maybe that speed and that quickness of thought isn't what we need in a specific game. So I think that fans are maybe going to look at Foden different now and go, Do you know what, when he doesn't play, it's not because he isn't good enough to play football and it's not that he isn't good enough to start for us. It goes back to the old thing that we've always seen Pep do and that is pick a team to face a specific, a specific opposition based on what he believes the ingredients need to be to make the perfect pot. And I think that... And then the speed worked today, right? Because of Bernardo uh, Silva and um, because of how quick Sterling was going. And I think even De Bruyne at some points was struggling to stay up with them because uh, they were going that fast. But did you notice, I think it was his goal, when he was majorly offside because he'd run quite far forward but then really pulled himself right back and I think they've been working on that with him because I noticed he pulled himself right back to get him back on side and then be available for the next ball well, well, there's that Louisa and there's also the fact that um, the, Zuma all game was looking very 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 unsure about who to mark in this game and you could see that the Chelsea back line didn't really know who to mark what to do what to what to close down, what not to close down, because of the confusion that Pep had kind of well, had no, kind of given. That's been my point for weeks. We've never been quick enough. Too many slow passes around the pitch, and we're not getting very far, and we're not getting anywhere. And I've been constantly, constantly going on about we need the speed, we need to take them by surprise, and that happened today, and we won the match. Well, when he scored the goal, Pep. when Foden scored the goal. Um, Zuma was in no man's land. He just stepped in front. He'd whipped it, and it was one of them where, where you know, Fulton's a perfect pocket player, and he he had Zuma in his pocket all game, and not the other way around. Go on, well, sorry, yeah. mate. That's all right. The only thing I'd say about obviously Foden in his development, a lot of people are saying, oh, he's not playing enough. He needs to start every game. I don't mind that. I don't mind him not starting every game. He's he's young. We can take our time. That's fine with me. The one thing I'm not concerned about, but, you know, I think might need addressing is I think he needs a definitive position. I think he, we need we need to establish what is Phil Foden's strongest position and and let him have a continued run in the same position. Because the, the thing is, obviously, he, he's picking up different traits from, you know, being a, a, a sort of a Mazala holding midfielder. And then he's pushed forward into a, almost a false nine sometimes. We've seen him out on the left. We've seen him out on the right. I think if we can establish him in one strong position, give him a couple of games, so he can he can get into the flow, so we know it, like what you're saying, so he doesn't almost run faster than he needs to. He can he can take stock and work out what he needs to do as, for example, a left winger or as a more of a De Bruyne midfield creator type. So yeah, that, that's the only thing I'd say about Phil Foden. I just want I just want him to have an established position. Before the game, there was a lot of debate from City fans about why Sergio Aguero wasn't starting again. Uh, you know, and that was the first thing my wife said. Why is, why is he not starting? Gabriel Jesus is out. Um, when is he going to start? Is he that fragile? Uh, and then, of course, the goals went in and didn't matter. And you, it makes me wonder, especially given to some of the answers that you've just been given, as to whether 
that that false nine, that not actually having somebody that you pick up as a striker, which worked so well for Spain when they won the World Cup and the Euros. So it's not something that's not been done before. Is actually uh, a pet masterstroke. Now I know that Sergio isn't fully fit, and we know that Gabriel Jesus isn't available. And it might be that a fully fit Sergio or a fully fit Gabriel Jesus would have started. And maybe that was just by accident. Um, but I wonder whether actually this sort of false nine system uh, that City have might in itself be quite a clever tactic. Uh, I 100% agree. Um, even thinking back to last season, we didn't have many results that sort of went our way and that were memorable. The two that I can think of were away at the Bernabeu and um, beating United. And both of those was when we played with a false nine. And the two central defenders, they didn't have a clue what to do. They were so used to playing against an advanced forward who's going to be on the shoulder and they have to stick with him tight. When you have a false nine, it, it confuses the defence and it, it can really open things up for our bombing fullbacks and our, our midfielders. So, yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And obviously, the, the night that Will's talking about the Bernabeu was when when Jesus actually played and was was on the left for the majority of the game. And that's when a lot of City fans started to click on and go, actually, is Gabriel Jesus better used as as a player that's just allowed to drift in and out and 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 kind of you know drift out to the left hand side, pick up the ball, allow that fluidity between him, Sterling, Mares, whoever is in that front it, three. It, it was it was Foden as the uh, false nine at the Bernabeu, I think. I think Foden. Yeah. Well, but Jesus played, didn't he? And did, was, yeah, yeah, was yeah. not Foden drifting in and, and Jesus drifting out? He'd been, told not they, yeah. to, he'd been told not to stick into that central, you know, stick in that central position to confuse to confuse Ramos and Varane. Um, and it, in both games that we played against Madrid, Varane looked like a shadow of himself, and that was because of the confusion that Pep had injected into that system. But I think today again, you look again, and like what you said, Ian, with Aguero not being fully match fit at the moment. He's still the world-class player that he always is. You know, it's like, like I said to my granddad last week, you could probably play in the sticks for Latics, but your head's telling you that. Your body's not going to let you do it. So Aguero knows that, that, that his head is telling him he could score a hat-trick today against Chelsea. But um, his body right now, with regards to match sharpness, wouldn't probably allow him to do that. He would also have to, uh, you know, he would also be offering the Chelsea back line an advantage by playing Aguero because they would know exactly what he would do. They would know that it would take him a certain amount of time to get into the game. And therefore, we would have limited ourselves to what we could have done in the opening passages of the game. And in the opening passages of the game, that is when we really took Chelsea to the cleaners, in my opinion. So I think had Aguero have started, I think it would have been one of his first starts in weeks, wouldn't it? Well, in months, really. He's for one of his first Premier League starts in months. And I think it might have took him at least 20, 25 minutes to get into the game. And you would have basically given them something that they would have wanted. You could you given Chelsea and Lampard a, um, a hand in, in maybe, like you say, not confusing the back line as much as we did. And like you said, with a, with a false nine, um, player drops deep, players can move into space. You almost give Zuma and and the, the whole of the Chelsea back line something to think about. And whilst they're thinking about it, you're hurting them, and they haven't got ch- they've not got chance to recover. He's got a fair in mind though. Sorry, go on. Whilst it's City that uh, clear that City are in the title race because you know another win, the game in hand, and they're 
a point behind Liverpool and Manchester United. Many people seem to think that the Champions League is the priority. And maybe that's the reason why Pep has insisted on playing continually with Rodri and then with Gundogan and or Fernandinho occasionally as a sort of second pivot. But I wonder now whether we're actually seeing um, a completely different... Well, certainly from my perspective, perhaps I'm just not that football intelligent, but a very different thing than I thought I was seeing. I'm still not hugely impressed by Rodri at times. In fact, I thought he gave the ball away several times today in positions that he was lucky to get away with. But with him as that anchor and with Gundo given a slightly freer role, and even Fernandinho, when he comes on, isn't playing in the old role that he played. He's playing in a more advanced position. And then without a striker, you actually have the numerical advantage in midfield of the extra midfielders, but the unpredictability of not knowing where the danger is going to come from. 100%. I mean, and that extra stability is probably what's needed in the Champions League, Ian. Um, that extra organisation in midfield that's probably been a problem for us in the, in the, in the last, last couple of seasons when it's come to Champions League, and especially in the last stages, where we've, we've not had that... Maybe we've been free-flowing and maybe we've been very expressive going forward. But when, when push comes to shove, we've maybe not been as, as strategically organised in midfield and especially, you know... You know, when you look back at the Leon game, as much as we were hurt by playing a back five and we were hurt down them down them flanks, um, we 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 didn't we didn't affect the game enough in midfield. And I think that today, you, you, I mean, you look at you look at the game today, and there would have been a lot of fans today at the start of play that probably would have said, "Wow, why why is he playing Ilkay, Phil, um, Rodri? You know, why is the midfield so packed out with?" With, with players and, and, and the false nine would have been questioned. But I honestly think that, that, that Pep is, is it fair to say he's experimenting in the league to work out what would work best in the Champions League? I don't really, I don't really know that it's an experiment. I think he's doing what he thinks needs to be done in the league as well. But what he's doing could, in effect, give him the ingredients he needs to be able to kind of delve into come the last stage of the Champions League and go, oh, well, what worked against Chelsea? What worked I'm against... Not, I'm not convinced. Did you see his interview at the end? And mm. one of the things he said um, was about a uh, thousand passes, thousand passes, and, and then you score. And I'm like, oh, my God, you've still got that same mindset of pass, 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 pass. So I don't know. Maybe you just looked at today's players and thought, right, well, I've got this bunch. Uh, they are speedy. Let's, let, let, let them crack on today at doing what they do best. And then next match, when everyone's back, I'm just going to go to pass, 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 pass. Because it wouldn't surprise me if that's what we went back to after exactly what he said today after in that post-match interview. And I'm not convinced by that anymore. Um, it's gone for me, that, that system now. I'm, I'm bored with it. I'm tired with it. It's not working out very well. Today's system was absolutely ideal, perfect. When Aguero used to have the speed before he picked up his little niggles and injuries, that's when we were winning matches. And the one thing that I was naffed off with today um, was that the commentators at the time during the match and even post-match concentrated more on how poorly Chelsea had played and individual players. They almost went through the entire 11 players for Chelsea rather than actually complimenting and saying how well City had played because we were playing like we've played in our championship winning seasons today. And 
I think in the first half, we just outplayed them. I don't think they were that terrible in the first half, to be honest. I just think that we were that good. We were that on form. We, they could, they just couldn't do anything about it. Second half, they had the chances and then they blew it. But I think that psychologically, they were just behind anyway at that point and it was too late. But I think in the first half, we absolutely annihilated them and we got no credit from the commentators during the match and post-match. And I'm, to be honest with you, I'm quite disgusted by it. Well, to touch on what Louise the question, said, I was going to finish the, the discussion on Chelsea with, which was, you know, was that a case of Chelsea being poor or was it? But you've answered that, Louisa. Go on, uh, Harlan, what do you Sorry, say to mate. that? Yeah, one? yeah, to touch on what Louisa said, with regards to, you know, the development of the, of, of the team over the last, it must be six, seven, eight games now, I think, we we still play that we still we still play that um, that passing style of football and that that you know we recycle possession still and every, there's elements that are the same and that will probably remain fundamental aspects of, of the way we play, but we recycle it a lot more efficiently now. Um, to to be fair to Rodri, it's almost as if he now realizes and knows. And I'm with you, and we've been on the same page, not because you know I'm backing Cheesy up or he's backing me up. We've just observed the same thing with Rodri, and that is that, for me, he's been passive in midfield at times. He does give the ball away a lot and gets away with it. And defensively, for me, he's quite suspect. However, it almost seems to be that he, he has almost kind of got win now that he's going to have to improve in them, in, in, them, in, them, um, in them areas. And there's been a lot more forward passes played by him over the last six or seven games. And it's almost as if from having Fern next to him or from watching Fernandino in the last stage of games that he's realised that we are much more effective when we play forward. You'd have thought he'd already have known that, but it almost seems to be that hopefully he is developing. Will he become the Fernandino type player that we want him to become? Maybe not, but I just hope that he continues in the same vein with regards to playing a few more forward passes. And with regards to the style... I get where Louise is coming from, and it's almost as if we we have maintained that same philosophy, but we play a bit more direct now when we need to play more direct, and we are a lot more decisive at when to release the ball and when to hold on to the ball. And at the start of the season, and all last season, or for the majority of last season, we were overplaying, we were playing ourselves out of goal-scoring opportunities, and today we were much more decisive when we worked ourselves into fantastic openings and played that 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 defence splitting pass, or played that that crucifying pass, if you want to call it that, and we scored three goals, Ian. And we've not scored enough goals. Why? Because we've not been direct enough at times. And direct football, and I'll say it again, direct football is not long football. It just means that sometimes you cut, you you, you know, you cut out players, and you play at a quicker pace, and you're playing between the lines, and you can hurt teams a lot more. And we've started to do it again, and it's no accident we've started to score more goals. A positive result then. We'll talk about the, the next game, United, in a minute. Um, one other subject I want to bring up at, at this stage is that uh, Benjamin Mendy made an apology for uh, breaking COVID rules on New Year's Eve, bringing in the chef and um, some friends of his wife, I believe. Um, he's apologised for that. He was on the bench today. He wasn't uh, COVID positive. He was on the bench. Um, I have to say, my own opinion, looking from the outside, um, I don't think he should have been allowed to be on the bench. In fact, I don't think he should have been in the City squad. I think he should be being punished by the club at the moment for that transgression. Um, that might not be everybody's view, but that's my view. Um, I also um, 
you know, I've seen a lot of City fans saying this is just two, one too many transgressions uh, by by Mendy. Um, obviously, the, the, they might be referring, for example, to you know his his absence through injury and his activities on on social media. That's those sorts of people to to view, but also his mistakes on the pitch and saying this is one straw too many. Time for him to go. I just wonder what your your thoughts are on on Mendy. It's, it's a shame, really, because the, the, the Mendy we thought we were signing from Monaco that, you know, that we saw in the Champions League was had potential to be one of the best left-backs in the world. Um, when he came over, he got an unfortunate injury, and it, it all seems to have gone downhill from there, really. It, he has, it feels like he has one game in 10 where he reminds us that, oh, wow, this guy can really, you know, battle it down the ring and he can really put a cross in. You think, right, hopefully now he's going to kick on and it always feels like it's something, whether it's his fault or whether it isn't, you know, in, injuries aren't his fault at the end of the day. Little things like this, if it was, a, you know, a one-off individual thing, I can accept it. If it's a multitude of offences, then fair enough. I, I just worry that not only are we losing faith in him now, but Pep is as well. And once you lose the faith of the manager, there's almost no point in being there. And it... it, it he could have started today, you know, if, if he was on the bench, then he was clearly, like you say, he was COVID-free, he was ready to play. He's clearly been dropped instead of Zinchenko for a reason. He was probably left on the bench for a reason. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, come maybe not January, but definitely at the end of the season, I think that's it. And it's a shame, really, because I was so excited to see what he could have been. You think benching him then was, perhaps, um, I didn't think of it that way, but the you know, because the squad had already travelled, perhaps before this came out, um, he had no other players to, to to name on the bench. He's just named him on the bench without any intention of using him, and that was that was all actually already a punishment. Hundred percent, yeah. I think if he had any intention of using him, I reckon he might have started him. Uh, Zinchenko has not been a regular starter at all. Played very well. I'm not saying anything against him, but if if Pep wanted to pick Mendy, he would have picked him. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think I think for, for Mendy to see Zinni start over him today, um, knowing that Cancelo's been 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 flying on the right hand side. He's to be fair to him, he's been flying on the left hand side as well. So if Walker was fit, I think Walker would have started on the right. Cancelo maybe would have started on the left. However, Cancelo's basically telling Walker now that you're gonna have to get this shirt off my back. And I think that when you when you look at it, in theory, if Walker was fit, we would have had Zinchenko, Cancelo, and Mendy all fit and. And, and there to play. And I still think that today it would have been Cancelo or Zinni over him. And I think that, like you both said there, that probably is in, an indirect way of saying to Benjamin, look, Zinni hasn't been playing and he's starting over here. But the one thing with regards to Mendy I'm disappointed in is that you've seen that, for me, it's not a resurgence because I always knew it had come. But people are seeing their resurgence of Joao Cancelo. And I, and I, and I think that the way we're playing right now um, given the chance and given regular games that we'd see a similar improvement. Uh, they're very different players, but we'd see a similar improvement in Mendy and we'd see a lot more consistency from him because before this, 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 um, this, you know, this period where he hasn't been playing, he looked like he was a lot sharper again. It looks like he's lost a, a bit of weight again and he looks like he's, he's raring to go. And, and I think that we'd see the Mendy that we, that we, that we want to see. However, this isn't going to help his cause and, after Zinchenko's performance today, and again, go back to what I said about Foden and all, and all Louisa likes him. Zinni will play in certain games and he won't play in others. 
Foden will play in certain games and he won't play in others just because, not because they're not good enough, just because they're maybe not right for that specific game. And it's nothing personal. It's nothing to do with the actual player's ability. But on today's performance, I'd start Zinchenko against United, even if Mendy was 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 told that everything was unkidori and that he'd been forgiven for his for his mistake over the last week. I'd still start Zinni because of today's performance. And I thought that considering who he was up against today, he dealt quite well with them. Well, that takes us nicely into looking ahead then to the to the Manchester derby. I think it's fair to say that if I was describing different members of the Forever Blue squad, uh, that you three would probably fall into the category of glass half full. I think you're, you're three optimists. So on that basis, and bearing in mind that United are above City in the table, um, at which a lot of people will be surprised by, um, and have had some... Very good results, to be fair, in recent weeks. What is your state of how how full is that glass uh, going into the Old Trafford derby on Wednesday? Especially given that uh, we assume that the COVID absentees will still be uh, absent for that game as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I'm thinking he might pretty much start the same squad today as what he did. But oh, he'll do that against United, just what he's done today. Um, you know, I mean, two big, massive teams back to back, even for different reasons. You know, obviously Premier League and and the the cup. Um, but um, just I I mean, just in, I think he should start Zinchenko um, only because. Zinchenko's rarely made any mistakes um, and, and we all remember that just that one big mistake he made like last season that he absolutely made up for straight away within 10 minutes anyway um, and even versus Mendy whether, whether it was a punishment or not um, Zinchenko had taken many day over Mendy um, and then it goes to show why today because not only can he feed that ball and be part of that that um, hard line that goes forward um, the way he turned around pretty much towards the end of the match and, and ran back and saved one of their players potentially from scoring was just phenomenal we need that against United because we've got Rashford and we cannot possibly let that guy go through our defence the way he goes through other defences because otherwise we'll be annihilated so we we absolutely need to get some early goals like today two back to back as soon as we can and then at least get a psychological advantage for our own team whether it disadvantages them or not doesn't matter because we all know one city get this going backwards, we've lost the game anyway. So we need to get on top of that game as soon as we can because we there are some very beatable players in United still. They're still not convincing. Nobody is this season because nobody's running away with it. So what we need to concentrate on is their best players and Rashford's on fire. You know, some of their players are absolutely on fire right now. Better than our players. Uh, sorry if you don't like to hear that, but it's the truth if you watch the other matches. So, yeah, we need to be on top of it. Uh, we need to try and squash down uh, their players. We need some fast, fast forwards like Zinchenko to be able to run back to go and get that ball off them before it even gets anywhere near our goalkeeper, who did quite well today, by the way. What about you two? How optimistic are you two? Yeah, I, uh, I think, um, I think it'd be a completely different game for any City fan thinking that they're going to see a similar game to that one in the league. I think, I don't think we'll see another one like that for a long, long time. Um, be a completely different game now. I think both both managers will have learned a lot from that from that league game. Um, at the end of the day, you could argue that although a, a league derby is 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 huge, um, there's there's a chance for silverware here. It's our opportunity to go for our fourth league cup in a row, 
they haven't won a trophy in years. So any United fan that tells you this isn't a, well, they'll tell you it's a big game now. But if, if they were out of the, the Carabao Cup, we went on and won it, it'd be a small trophy. Um, but it'd be huge if they beat us and it'd be huge if they won it. So it's one of them trophies that, that's massive for them when they win it and isn't massive when someone else wins it. But it's a huge game for both sides because it's a chance to to um, to redeem themselves for that for that lacklustre derby that we all watched a couple of weeks ago. And it's an opportunity to, to go at each other again. And I'd like to see us go at each other a bit more in this one and, and use the fact that it is a cup game, um, you know, and, and really, really show what we can do. However, um, I, I do agree with Louisa. There's, you know, I said this to you on, on your show, Ian, on Friday, that Bruno Fernandes, as much as he, 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 he's a penalty merchant, you know, he, he's, a, he's a phenomenal football player. And let's not forget, he's somebody that we were interested in, that we decided not to go and sign. And there's a reason why we were interested in him, and that is because he, he, he has got an awful lot of quality. Um, I don't get into the stupid debates about who's better in or De Bruyne. I think statistics and all that, when it comes to stuff like that, are just ridiculous and it gets all daft and stuff. And I'm not, I don't get my teeth into all that rubbish. But with regards to him, dangerous player, Rashford, like Louise, I said, I rate the kid. I like him a lot. I, I, I Listen, if he was a free agent, I'd have him tomorrow. Um, whether you agree with me or not, it's up to you, but I'd have him tomorrow. I, I do rate Martial as well. And I said this on, on the podcast the other year with, with Paul on the, on the Derby preview. They've got some very dangerous players that we, we need to be wary of. But I, I, I just like to rewind a minute. And, and you said they've had some very good results over the last couple of weeks. And that is correct. They've had some very good results. And yes, football is a results-based game and managers are sacked based on poor results. However, we have played well and lost. And when you put our performances and their performances side by side, there's no competition. So if we can outperform them in this game, forget what results they've had. They've ground out games, fair enough. They've, they've, they've somehow managed to get through games. They've won games based on different things that have maybe gone for them and not gone for them or whatever. The, the penalties, we need to watch their yeah. penalties. Well, I, we I, need I just to think, watch them going for them. Yeah, but I just think overall, when you, when you look at the side side by side, it's very deceiving where they are in the league. And I don't think they're the second best side in the league. And I don't look at, at the table in that, in that form sometimes. And, and I, I just think that if we are at our best and if we attack the game and approach the game, like Louisa said, the same way we approach this today and get early goals, we'll murder them. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes, you know, like when teams park the bus on us and United, was it last season or season before? Very, oh God, what a game that was. It was awful. Um, but I still think that sometimes when we're doing this pass, 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 we're encouraging teams to park their bus anyway. You know, we're not encouraging them to do anything else but park the bus. So let's play better and let's play faster and let's play the way we played today. And then we might actually win the match. Well, I think it's a weird one. So we're, we're coming into a derby where United are feeling uh, a bit of confidence for once. And it's it's been years since we've gone to Old Trafford and not felt like we were going to smash them. So that's going to be a weird one. Hopefully it'll up our game a bit because, I don't know, maybe we've come a little bit complacent against United over the years. Um, it's a weird one. Um, I'm not sure. You, you described me as uh, glass half full. I usually am. I'm not for this derby for some reason. It, it feels like it's bigger to them than it is to us. Um yeah, they, like Harlan said, they've not won a trophy in a long time. I think they'll be desperate for one under Ole just to 
just to almost give him some breathing room. Uh, I still think he, he he could be up for the sack. The, 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 the second place in the table is so misleading. I think I saw something. If you, if you disregard uh, VAR decisions, they'd be somewhere like 10th or 11th or somewhere, something daft like that. So the luck's going to run out eventually. Um, they've got a very good attack. But at the moment, we've got a very good defence. Uh, not often we can say that. Uh, whereas their defence is can be shambolic sometimes. And if, if it comes up against our attack on form, then we don't have a chance. But there's some, it's that typical blue that just doesn't feel right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. I mean, um, obviously, before the next podcast, the next podcast will be probably uh, recorded on the Sunday evening after... We play Birmingham in the FA Cup. So there'll be two games between now and then. The United game, so hopefully City will be at Wembley. Uh, the Birmingham game, hopefully City will be in the fourth round of the FA Cup. And that's when we'll next convene. Um, so in the meantime, uh, stay safe, particularly at the moment, because if you're in the UK as well, because the numbers are rising very rapidly of this terrible disease, we could be into another uh, major lockdown fairly soon. Um, after say, I've been as you're probably aware, uh, chatting to one or two City fans who perhaps are feeling a little bit vulnerable and lonely. And this week I spoke to Janice, who is Stan Gibson's uh, daughter, who lost her husband uh, during this terrible time. And um, I know a lot of City fans, not everybody listening to this will know who Janice is. But for those who who do, um, she used to work in the souvenir shop, as it was back in the old main road days. And she's somebody that is very well known about certainly City fans of a certain age. And she was in good spirits and she wanted to say hello to everybody and pass on her best wishes. Uh, and hopefully that's something positive uh, to end this podcast with. Uh, I wanted to say thanks very much, of course, to charleslouis.co.uk chartered mortgage advisors uh, have a look at the website there is a phone number on there and even now at this time when things are a little bit different and you can't go and shop where you want to shop and all the rest of it they're still available on the phone and they'll still take your call they'll still try and help you point you in the right direction if you envisage whether it be now or when this whole lockdown business finishes and we start to see normality again if you need if you're going to be moving they're good people to talk to. Um, so charleslouis.co.uk. Thanks very much to Louisa, to Will, uh, who hasn't finished his work yet. He'll be carrying on working in a minute or two, putting the podcast together, and to Harlan. And, um, you know, we'll see you all again after the two cup ties. Um, so as ever, it's great to be a blue. Isn't it?